Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Chris Parliament today reacting to the New York Rangers earning the number one selection in phase two of the draft lottery. A double doink prevented the pure chaos situation. We'll get into all that and we still have to get Chris's picks. So Parley's picks for the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. All that and more. This the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Tuesday, August 11th. We're recording during the second intermission of the first round one Stanley Cup playoff game. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay Lightning 2-1 after the second period at the time of recording. Parley, we were going to get into the draft lottery. We're going to get into your picks. But one of the most notable things from these series so far, and it is a sense abroad, Robin Leonard is going to be the starting goalie for Vegas. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, there's just so many thoughts that go through your head for a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's had maybe one of the most iconic Game 7 saves going on to win the Stanley Cup where he dove across and just threw himself at the puck. And to think that he's taken a backseat to two teams that are really heavily thought to go deep in the playoffs and even win it. And then for a team that did win it, for Matt Murray, and he did it twice in front of Flower. I mean, you gotta you gotta feel for the guy. What this guy's been able to do through his career, just a character, a class act. And uh, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier for a guy that he has the ring before all this started because he's been in some crowded creases that uh, he's maybe been on the tail end of. But from everything I've heard out of those days in Pittsburgh, he continued to be a class act and nothing but supportive for Matt Murray. So I can see him being a really good one head of a two headed monster that he's been uh, part of multiple. Well, Robin Leonard came over from Chicago, and we're going to get into mm-hmm. how he's dominated his former teams before. But with Vegas, three games, three wins, and a shutout, a 940 save percentage. He was just, he's been so good, right? Like, ever since, really, he went to the Long Island, basically getting out of Buffalo, 930 save percentage. And then this year has a 920 split between Chicago and Vegas. I think Sens fans are pretty aware of this stat, but Robin Leonard against his former team, Chicago being one of them, it's uh, a bloodbath. Something like 12-1. and one. I'm pulling up the career splits right now, Parley. But do you think that that would play a big factor in Leonard getting the start, the familiarity he has with that Blackhawks team? And before you answer that, 8-0-3 against the Ottawa Senators, Robin Leonard. So um, that, I don't know the exact numbers against Buffalo. I know he's 4-2-2, two, and two, but I don't know how many of those came with Ottawa before he played for Buffalo. Um, but it just shows that he does put up some big games against old teams. It's interesting to see when guys do that. I don't know if it's that little bit of, you know, he holds saying like, oh, he's got money on the board tonight. You know, he's got that uh, little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And this is definitely a guy who, man, chip on his shoulder, hard on his sleeve. This guy's got some decorated arms. But uh, I mean, Watching him go in against other teams, it seems like he's got that laser focus when it's unarguable that when he's got that laser focus, he's going to be a great goaltender. He showed it time and time again. So I think that this is a little bit of a tip to that, saying he's kind of got maybe even the competitive edge over a guy like Flower if you're trying to look for something to lean on to uh give him the start in this one so I think it uh we may see I don't know if we'll see the dominance that we've seen from them in the past or sorry from him in the past against former teams here but uh I mean if you look at the numbers it's not that surprising no it's hard to argue with starting Robin Leonard especially he got the two wins in that in the round Robin and Flurry did not look too good in the game that he played so 
that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. I think one of the most intriguing storylines around the last couple of days, of course, with the Leafs being eliminated, Toronto media quickly turned that into, oh, well, they have a 12.5% chance for the lottery. And did you see that double doink, Parley? How close were we to seeing Lafreniere as a Maple Leaf? How, how immediate would that blue team elimination day, which should be a national holiday. Happy belated, by the way, Ross. Yeah, thanks, buddy. You too. And uh, turning that into what Lafreniere, I mean, could you imagine the turnaround of what the Toronto Sun would have looked like back-to-back days? It would have been absolutely ridiculous. Um, But man, oh man, you look at teams that were in the running for it. Pittsburgh, Edmonton, Toronto. We've seen what they've done with first overall picks before and what they've been turned Edmonton, into. ever heard of them in the lottery before? <laughs> I know, eh? And uh, it's it was interesting to see that double doink. Man, oh man. Uh, for so, all the- we got to get into the conspiracy, though, Parley. The Rangers ball dropped before as they were going through because Gary Batman had to confirm every logo, which was the most power move I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, that is the logo. We know, Gary. Jesus. But the Rangers logo fell. Was it weighted? I don't know, man. It seems like it might have been because I got a buddy here that in town. I'm actually golfing with him tonight. And he is saying cup in two years guaranteed. And he's been saying it for a long time for this New York team. You look at the talent they now have that is just going to be blossoming in the next couple of years. He said, you know what? Take that and write it on my tombstone cup in two years guaranteed i mean looking around that squad like holy well, they've got their right. goaltender they've exactly. got their stud defenseman they've and got two goaltenders yeah true it's it's wild what they're gonna build there and uh, how funny that tony d'angelo defenseman for the rangers tweeted out saying oh this is rigged the rangers ball fell well it turned out that if it was it was rigged in their favor <laughs> thanks for coming out just, tony he just <laughs> tweets out uh, after the lottery goes oh never mind all good yeah, sometimes it's uh, it falls your way, eh, Tony? But yeah, you mentioned it. Like Adam Fox, what a stud! Capo uh, Caco, a guy that we've all been drooling over for the last little while. Second overall pick, like that's back to back years where the Rangers are basically handed a top three pick, moving up substantially in the lottery. And in hmm. last year was the first time they've ever chosen in the top two. Wow! So it was just so interesting to see, like back to back years, they absolutely just climb the ladder of history of picks and. Yeah, here we are today. And then bookmark those two picks bookmark one of the best free agent signings, I think, in the last decade with Artemi Panarin coming in and really putting that rebuild on a whole other level. Um, it's too bad the timing didn't work out for Hank Lundqvist, I guess, if, if you're a hockey fan. I'm not the biggest Hank Lundqvist fan. Uh, I know we're a goalie-friendly show, but I don't like the way his style very much. Um, but that's a story for a different day. The, the Rangers, they're going to be unreal. If it was a team in the East, I think, well, Pilsy and I discussed yesterday on the show that that was where we wanted to see him if he was staying east. So he didn't go to Pittsburgh, didn't go to Toronto, and I'm pretty sure they, they drafted him yesterday, Parley, because the question was uh, from Jamie Hirsch, I think, from the NHL Network. She was the one doing the interview. She's like, how does it feel to join this team? And then Jeff Gordon, the GM for the Rangers, said, we interviewed every prospect on Zoom leading up to this, except for Lafreniere, because we didn't want to jinx it. So is he already drafted first overall? Like, Should they just start the draft at two on October 9th? 
I honestly like in a draft like this, it's almost expected. It's you can get excited about the byfields and the Stutzels, but it's it's him far and away. I think that the story's already been written. Yeah, sure, the pick's already been made, started it too, but it wasn't as cringy as last year having Jack Hughes, the only player in studio. I mean, imagine putting a jinx on a kid like that. It was ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, this is one of those years where it's a landslide runaway. This kid's head and shoulders, not uh, physically, but head and shoulders skill level wise above everyone else in the draft. Well, he plays that, that skill style too. And something that Sam Cosentino said on that Sportsnet broadcast yesterday, um, he, he really encapsulated just how dominant Lafreniere is. He's an early birthday. He missed last year's draft just by a few days. He's October 11th. I think it's September 15th is the cutoff. But he said he came in as a rookie in the Quebec League and scored 42 goals. Okay, so you knew he could put the puck in the net. 42 goals in 60 games. Then in his second year, he scored a few less goals, but he put up 68 assists and 105 points. Like, oh, so he's a playmaker. And then in the third year, he plays 10 less games, equals his goal output, but then shows the consistency and sets another career high with 112 points. So this guy, he's just growing and growing, and he's going to be so fun to watch. He's going to be so fun to watch because you talk about growth in his game just now, and it's the numbers-wise, yes, it's so important for a guy like that, especially out of the queue, to be putting up numbers and doing the things he was able to do. But you watch him in the World Juniors. He comes straight out of being hurt, and then he just comes flying in and makes a huge hit. Like, he's the type of guy that just makes his impact known on every play. He just makes so many good plays with the puck, away from the puck. And let's not forget one of the biggest things in the scouting report for this kid at the start of this season, at least, when we were profiling players as the kind of the draft got closer and closer. Biggest thing I read on this kid was his, his, his speed when he's hunting players down. And when he's hunting down a loose puck, he can just force so many turnovers when he's forechecking because he just gets on you so fast. Or he's going to create turnovers in the offensive zone because he's going to just jump in on you below the goal line. I think there's so many things that go unsaid about this kid because we all get lost in the fancy plays and the big time numbers. But this guy's got a big future ahead of him. And it's not just on the score sheet. I think he's going to do everything for a head coach. And, uh, yeah, if that's if that's going to continue to be Mr. Quinn there behind the bench in New York, I think he's going to be a very happy man for years to come. Yeah, well, enough about the teams who are eliminated. Let's focus on the ones who are still left. We all had the same picks in the qualifying round in the Eastern Conference. We all went 0 for 4. So take what is upcoming with a grain of salt. But yeah, Parley, let's roll through these series. I need your thoughts, and then we'll get into some picks from you if you didn't here my picks yesterday pilsy and i did ours the day before so no copy in those parley but where do you want to start actually i'm going to give you the series to start let's start out west with the consensus sends a broad favorite to win the cup mark stone and robin leonard uh, against the chicago blackhawks what are your thoughts on that series after chicago i guess yeah fair to say surprise the hockey world as the 12 seed beating up on the oilers I think this is an interesting one where we're going to look at it and say, where are the matchups going to lie here? And you got to lean on a guy that's got a lot of miles on his legs. And let's say a lot. Let's, uh, let's make sure that we know he's had a lot of Stanley Cup success, and that's Jonathan Taves. But for this team to find success, I think they're too young up the middle, and you're going to have to lean on a guy like Jonathan Taves for 28 minutes a night. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. I think he's going to have to 
have too much on his shoulders, and I don't think he can produce offensively enough to keep up with a high-flying Vegas team. I think Vegas is going to be able to push this team around a little bit too. That size of their fourth line, anytime Ryan Reeves is on the bench, you know that you're going to win the physical battle. That just seems to be how it is. And then again, a two-headed monster in the crease. I think Vegas is just too much for Chicago. Um, are you we're getting into picks now? Do you want my picks too for ga- number of games? Yeah, for for this and see, so I mean, Vegas, you've got already as as the winner there. So yeah, how how off how long do you think it's going to take them? I think it's going to go to game five. I think there's too much Stanley Cup experience on that Chicago team to uh, to lose it in a clean sweep. But uh, I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give them one win, Vegas and five. That's uh, a funny start because you've matched Pilsy and I's pick in the games and the team as well. Pilsy calling it the gentleman's sweep. Okay, let's do all the West first. So number two here. This, I think, is actually the biggest mismatch in the entire um, round one of the playoffs. But the Colorado Avalanche against the Arizona Coyotes. What do the Coyotes have to do if they're going to be successful? Lean on superstars that they haven't been able to do in the past. I mean, you got to lean on guys like Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall. These guys got to step up and have big time performances. I think you got to be expecting at least a point a night out of both of them if you want to get a chance to get into the uh, win column. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I think this is a big time mismatch as well. Uh, Colorado, they're sneaky big too, man. They can play a lot of different ways, however you want to. And I think that they just have, in any way you want to play the game, if you're the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think you're going to do it better than Colorado. This is a clean sweep. A clean sweep for you, eh? Colorado in four? Yes, sir. I think, I mean, if it's going to go anything past four, I think whoever's in the crease for Arizona is going to have to stand on his head. Well, and Darcy Kemper's done just that here in the postseason already. Four games, a 9.33 save percentage. Three of those being quality starts, which they have as a save percentage higher than their average save percentage of the year, according to Rob Volman's Hockey Abstract stat. I actually like that one, though, the quality start percentage. For sure, um, yeah. One sec, Ross. Kemper's, before... Kemper's been solid. And before we move on, the reason I phrased it the way I did was if these guys get down early, do they go to someone else? Mm, I mean, if Andy Rant is available, I know he took that shot high in warm-ups mm. in one of the games there in the Predators series, but I just don't think they have the firepower to match. And now that Colorado's healthy, and they, they haven't had much health this year, like... McKinnon basically put up a Taylor Hall-esque season, speaking of a guy who he's going to be playing against. But the Avalanche, like they were without Miko Rantanen for most of the season. They were without Gabriel Landeskog for an extended part of the season, and they just kept rolling. They added Sens abroad, um, Vlad Nemestikov, who I think is going to have a really good playoff. He's just that guy who you can plug in and play anywhere. So from that standpoint, I think this is a dangerous team, not only for this round. I see this as being... The top two seeds here are in the West are going to face off in the conference final. And the way this wacky 2020 season's gone, maybe I'm wrong, but if it's not Colorado and Vegas, then there is a major upset brewing. So I, I know I don't know. I can tell you I'm pretty excited here for the 12th. We got to wait till Wednesday, which will be uh, probably when most people are listening to this. Uh, so buckle up for uh, what could be a quick series, according to you, Parley. Um, all right, let's uh, hit you with the third matchup. This one's about to get underway right after we record Dallas and Calgary. What's going to be the difference in that series? For some reason, this one just, it feels old school to me. You know, Dallas versus Calgary. This is one that growing up for me, I feel like. The was Jerome again look up. Exactly. I feel like this one was always just kind of a, a good matchup. You know what I mean? So I'm excited for this one. Like you said, it's going to be getting going kind of right when we're 
close to being done here. Can, but, I, uh, can I fix my analogy? Because Joe, Jerome McGinley was traded for Joe Newendijk, and Joe Newendijk actually won a cup with both teams. So let's call it the Joe Newendijk Cup. <laughs> I like that a little fact check on yourself there. But this one, this one's going to be interesting because I think whichever way it goes – it's going to be the superstars that get it done. Whoever's top line plays better in this one, I think is going to win the series. Now, don't get me wrong. Dallas seems to have it this year where they've got a little more depth. I loved the pickup of the Andrew Cogliano. Those guys that have been there, done that. They're still hungry, and they can play the grinder minutes that Dallas really couldn't do before. Uh, they've got some good secondary scoring there, too. I think they can play three lines pretty well there in Dallas, but it's got to be their top guys to get going. And it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do. On the other hand there, I think Calgary, if they're not going to have their big guys going, I think it needs to be the Matthew Kachuk show. And it might not even be on the score sheet. I think it's going to have to be in the penalty sheet. He's going to have to be the uh, the pest he's grown to be because we know teams like Dallas, guys like Jamie Benn, if you can get him off his game, uh, I don't think he'll capitalize on the score sheet if he's worried about the way Matthew Kachuk is playing. So I think it's going to be whoever kind of dictates play with their big guys. Uh, this is an interesting series for me. I'm going to take Dallas in six. This is hilarious because both Pilsy and I took Dallas in six as well. The one worry <laughs> I will say, though, Tyler Sagan, the only player with 50 points on this Dallas team. Jamie Benn only had 39 points in what was a very down year for him, 19 goals. Miro Heiskanen, a bright spot, third in scoring at 35 points. Do you think they have enough offense here to get past? Like we saw Pavelski score two goals in the last game. That must be a good sign for them. Absolutely. And Pavelski, where he shines the brightest, I think is on the power play. And I think that's another big thing that's going to have to happen. If Matthew Kachuk does get running around and loses it a little bit, maybe he's a guy that can start taking penalties. Let's not forget to mention a guy like Milan Lucic, who's, uh, you know, seen the awesome in, in round one. Mm-hmm. But he can also get going and uh, get on the penalty sheet and maybe start playing in uh, a way that negatively affects his team. So I think it'll be interesting. But like I said, it's going to be the big guys and where they play the best is on the power play. Joe Pavelski out front. No one does it quite like him with that white warrior stick he uses, tipping pucks. And uh, the big boys can get going there. So yeah, Dallas and six, I guess, is kind of the, uh, the way we're going with this one. But it could be interesting and go the other way very easily. From two heavy teams to likely the heaviest in the Western Conference. And they're coached by an old-school, tough mentality guy. And that's Craig Berube and the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, who are the four seed. Interesting note, both four seeds in, from round-robin play in each conference. That's your Stanley Cup final matchup from last season. So the St. Louis Blues against the Vancouver Canucks, who came off a first-game loss against Minnesota to win three straight. This is the series that I'm most excited about, and conversely, it's the series where all the games start at 10.30 Eastern. But what do you like about this one, and give us your pick. I think this one's exciting because it's going to be whoever's young players play better. We saw Robert Thomas a year out of junior hockey just absolutely play out of his mind in the playoffs last year. But he's looked shifty and shown that he's able to do it. It wasn't a one-off in a in a rookie season that was kind of the Cinderella story to the Stanley Cup last year. But then you've got Vancouver with a guy like Elias Patterson or even Brock Besser who's just kind of swirling in trade rumors seemingly out of nowhere coming back into play. 
Uh, I think it's whoever's young guys play better because definitely St. Louis is, if they get to play the style of hockey that they want to play, just beating up on your smaller, maybe puck-moving defensemen. Obviously, Quinn Hughes comes to mind. It's going to be interesting how they do it because going back to last year, you look at the way they played San Jose. Every time Eric Carlson touched the puck, he was just beaten to a pulp along the board. So if they're going to be able to play that way. But another guy that comes to mind, too, for the Blues is a guy like Sammy Blay who played really well last year, if they can start to provide themselves with depth scoring that they were able to last year, I think that's going to be something big for them. And let's not forget the name Justin Falk. Maybe some, some people didn't think that blue line needed him, but boy, has he looked good. And I never doubted his ability, even out of Carolina, when they wanted to move on from him in a time where they maybe needed some contract for some younger guys. I don't know if it was a knock on him personally, and they've always had a deep blue line, but I think Justin Falk's going to be a big-time player and a big-time ad for this Blues team, and I'm not sure we've seen how big-time that ad is until they get deeper into the playoffs. Well, yeah, and Carolina got a little tougher in that trade. Of course, St. Louis <laughs> looting Joel Edmondson in there, and it gave Carolina the ability to grab Marlowe's contract, and ho-hum, now they have... Uh, Toronto's 13th overall pick in the draft <laughs> as they're advancing. We'll get to Carolina in a minute. Before we move on, uh, one, I need your pick, and two, um, give me one head-to-head matchup. It can be from any of these Western Conference series that you're really excited to watch the, an individual battle. Yeah, uh, I think individual battles will go a far away in this one. Uh, I think one thing that will be pretty interesting is I mentioned them earlier, and if we're going to go back to the first series, Ross, uh, I don't think I'm really kind of running away or breaking any news here saying that you're a Mark Stone guy and you've got him uh he, Con he might... Smythe, buddy plus 22,000 let's exactly. go exactly so uh 2200 you're a big time believer in Mark Stone there I think him versus a guy like Captain Sirius and Jonathan Taves they might be matching up quite a bit against each other and I can see them they're both just play so stingy and if they're able to play that style of play up against each other for let's say 20 minutes a night I think that'll just be quality hockey just back and forth and I always gave the compliment to Mark Stone that uh, one day if my kid is asking me how to play hockey I'm just going to sit him down in front of a television watch Mark say watch Mark Stone play the game I think Jonathan Taves kind of falls right into that as well so I think that's one to watch um, another big one is a guy who falls into that category as well and how you want your kid to play hockey is Ryan O'Reilly him against Elias Pettersson whoever wins that battle will have a big effect on this series doesn't matter though St. Louis in five St. Louis in five okay I went with Vancouver and uh, Pilsy went St. Louis in seven you got St. Louis in five games. I'm going to give you a fun matchup, and people might forget that Corey Perry's on the Dallas Stars. <laughs> he kind of paved the way for a guy like Matthew Kachuk. Do you think they could have some fireworks between them? I definitely think so, but it's going to be interesting to see how much playing time, if the top lines get going in Dallas, that Corey Perry will get. But I'm sure their paths will cross at one point in this series. That's going to be fun to watch, and it's always fun to watch a, a game where Actually, no, we'll start with Boston. I was going to say that the trot storyline I love, but we'll get yeah. to that in a second. Uh, let's let's go the opposite way. So we went with the one seed down to the four in the West. Let's go four up to one so we can stick St. Louis, beat Boston in the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals. Well, Boston swept Carolina in the Eastern Conference Final to get there. That's a matchup that I think Carolina is much more prepared for this year. Do you see it as a situation where Carolina is going to get back at Boston for that clean sweep? I think this one comes down to a question of firepower, but I think 
Boston still has the edge if they can get going. A special teams is going to be obviously huge again in this one because that Boston power play might be the most fun to watch out of everybody. We mentioned Carolina's blue line before as well. They have a great blue line. You mentioned they had Joel Edmondson. And just the guys that they've had there, they kind of played that blue-collar game until they really established themselves. But I still think that Boston blue line is even more so established. Big Z, this might be his final crack at it. Who knows with things moving around. This guy is just, you never know when you're going to get back to the postseason again. And I can't say enough about a guy like Tory Krug, who's just become an absolute quarterback a great quarterback of that power play so that's going to be super fun to watch as well i think i mentioned firepower earlier it's going to be even with the guys like sveshnikov and aho playing so well in that round robin play but man oh man boston's going to have some fire coming back after losing in that stanley cup final and i think that's going to be enough to push them through and i think they're going to push through in a hurry i'm going to take boston in five Boston in five. All right. This might surprise you. I got Carolina in five. I think Boston came up flat in the round rob, but I think they're an older team with older legs, and I think that might catch up to them this year. I couple that with the fire. You know the broad Brindamore has got those those Hurricanes playing with fire. You don't think he's going to remind them about how that conference finals went last year? Lots of similar pieces, but then they added some size, I mentioned, with Edmondson, and their goaltending's been playing well. I don't even know. They might even start Reimer. Who knows? He was so good in that final game or in one of the game that he played in the yep. uh, in the qualifying round. So that's that series I have circled as my most intriguing matchup. I'm really you, excited to watch the firepower let, there. Let me throw one name at you that's going to add to the conversation of firepower, yeah. and he hasn't got his feet under him yet, but that's Andre Kasha, a guy I've believed in the right situation, could have been a 30-goal guy in the past. I mean, he was on some Anaheim teams that were really beat up with injuries but man this guy on that line of DeBrusque and Krejci who have played together since the second DeBrusque got in the league I think that's finally the fit and we just haven't seen them click yet so I think if you start to give them some time together that top six for Boston although that Carolina top six got going pretty good I think uh I think that Boston top six is going to take the cake here sounds Fair, I guess, but not not what I have. Let's see if we can agree on the next one. Hopefully not for some better radio. But Washington, the 2018 Stanley Cup champions, their head coach left for greener pastures in Long Island, on Long Island with the Islanders. Um, what do you think about this one? Is Are the Islanders dead, like I think? Yeah, they are. And, uh, I, you know, I've got clean sweep written down here in my notes. But I think I mentioned a guy like Justin Falk earlier how he was a huge pickup and we haven't really seen how big that was for a team like st louis the name i've got circled in this series for a guy that's going to tip the scales and really going deep into this playoff because i think washington's got maybe another run in them here is brandon Dillon. i think he's such a good hockey player and just reminds me of math yeah just to add him to a team like Washington, I think it, it was just so incredible. And maybe names that have fallen off a little bit. We've expected to be so much better. One name that really comes to mind, who I thought was going to have a massive season after they won the Cup, is Jakob Verana. Remember he walked in in uh, the game yeah. they won it all and just snapped one clean home over the glove, and you were like, wow, this kid can score goals. And in like Stanley Cup final game, all the pressure on him and he's walking and snap one home like that. So I think maybe uh, a little more pressure in games will bring out the best of Jakob Verana. You know, TJ Oshie's going to bring it. Ovi hasn't got going yet. You can see him coming though. So I think this Washington team is just going to steamroll New York. 
fun uh, another note, the starting goalie for the Islanders, Semyon Varlamov. People might forget since a lot of his career was spent in Colorado before going now in his mm-hmm. first year on the island. But he was drafted in the first round by Washington all the way back in 2006. Sure. Played his first three seasons there. Um, kind of crazy. Yeah, 27 starts, 26 starts as a 21- and 22-year-old. So he came into the NHL hot back then with uh, Washington. Of course, Washington still has a full complement of Russians, but Varlamov not one of them. Okay, so you've got clean sweep in that one. Moving on to the number two seed, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. That game is underway, so no spoilers. But in a seven-game series, one game only means so much, not as much as a qualifying round. How's that for Captain Obvious? What do you have in this series? I've got a little bit of a word play for you here, and that's Hedman is the headline. I think in this one, uh, I read an article today and it was some fun wordplay as well. It said it was uh, ominous and how much kind of was reflective of last year's first round. You know, Victor Hedman missed the last two games of that series and Tampa Bay was eliminated. He's missing in this one. Hasn't been released yet. How long he's going to be out. But John Cooper, the head coach, came out and said, as long as our perennial Norris candidate is out, that's a hole that you just can't fill. Well, so, he's, he's in the lineup for game one. Um, he took a too many men on the ice penalty. It was kind of funny. He tried jumping over the, uh, the Columbus boards, uh, to hide from the ref, but they caught him. I think the story to me in this series is Jonas Corpusallo. He was lights out against the Toronto Maple Leafs. If he can put up that kind of effort, almost Bobrovsky-esque from last year's series, I think we could see Columbus upset Tampa again. I've got Columbus in six, Ross. Same. Pillsy went with... Tampa. Pillsy also has the Islanders winning in seven. Like, this guy's nuts. <laughs> Does this guy watch hockey or what? No, but, I'm uh, not sure. Not even I here think, to defend himself. I think it was a beat-up headman. And uh, I think this Columbus team, they just play that four-check so hard where they kind of play like St. Louis, how I mentioned earlier. They're just going to get on your defenseman and make life rough for them. So if they're not at 100%, I think that's a way that Columbus can do it. And... Uh, Man, oh man, I like watching John Tortorella lead this team. And uh, PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think this is an absolute budding superstar right in front of our eyes. I think that he could have a Logan Couture-type postseason that we saw a couple of years ago. I like that. And now to finish up, this is a matchup as a goalie-friendly show. We mentioned it yesterday, but it'd be remiss not to mention off the top again. Carter Hart, the rookie, against Carey Price, uh-huh. the vet. That, that's the matchup that writes itself. But these teams have history. They've played in the playoffs three times, most n- notably that Halak year. Remember in 2010, mm-hmm. conference finals, Philly ends up getting the win before losing to Chicago, the start of that dynasty. But how do you see this series playing out? Montreal, probably uh, a pretty substantial underdog, the way that Philly just rolled through the round robin. So I've got this one um, four game sweep really and this is why even with price yeah and i think that because they've got they've got a guy like scott lawton going so that adds not only secondary but tertiary scoring for this team i know eh? so i think that they have primary secondary and tertiary scoring if they can continue that they've got that swagger about them this year they've got guys that are Wanting to get there. You know what I mean? A Jakub Voracek, a Claude Giroux. They're getting up there in age. You got a guy like Kevin Hayes now. You went out and spent big money on him. I mean, maybe not everybody agrees with the contract he was given, but I think he showed this year he's a big part of that team in the room, and I think they're just rolling. I think they've got the coaching staff that kind of 
coaches them perfectly for them. And, you know, you mentioned even with Carey Price, yeah, I think they can get swept. But the big name also is Shea Weber. When he gets that kind of playoff growl on his face, he just seems like an absolute animal. There's no pushing Philly around. Well, so I ha- think, yeah, and they have, well, Philly, funny enough, that's a team who signed Shea Weber to this contract. And Nashville ended up matching as an RFA, and the rest is history with Subban. Yeah. But kind of funny, uh, Philly tried to get Shea Weber, and he's definitely a, a flyer style player. Absolutely, he is. Yeah, I think Carter Hart is just going to have uh, more legs in this game. I don't think it'll be a Carter Hart show. I don't think it'll have to be, but I think this Philly team. They're deep, man. Be... They're my pick in the East. Yeah, they're really good. And the name I'm going to throw out to you, I've already uh, kind of pumped the tires of two defensemen here in Justin Falk and in Brandon Dillon. Here's one for you, bud. I think a big name in the future that uh, maybe gets a little bit lost behind Provorov, Travis Sandheim. Hell yeah. of a defenseman. Yeah, very good defenseman. And very good picks. You and I are uh, are pretty close, actually, except for the Boston, Carolina, and St. Louis, Vancouver. Other than that, you and I have the same one. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, Parley. We'll catch up later in the week and break it all down because we're two minutes left. It looks like we might have overtime in the first game of round one. Ooh. So we're off to watch that. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday when we uh, recap the first slate of action and for the rest of the week you know the locked on senators podcast and speaking of locked on senators how about a senator's note at the end of the show tomorrow so wednesday the sens are making a community announcement at brewer arena we know the split with the charity the sens foundation i'm curious if it's that or could it be the 2d jerseys we'll have all that for you and ben bishop not starting breaking moves for the Dallas Stars. He was unfit to play in the last round Robin game, but Anton Kudobin gets the start in game one. So Chris Parliament and I'm Ross Levitan here on the Lockdown Senators podcast. We'll be down to, to break that all down for you later in the week. Until then, enjoy the playoffs.